This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. edition of Common Threads. Imagine how many people work diligently to ensure that plants and animal species that are in danger of extinction are rescued from that supposed fate. In most cases, such efforts are exercised for flora, fauna, and creatures with which most of us will never come in contact. In like manner, there are those who are working to preserve indigenous cultures and religions in corners of the world that most outsiders will never visit. Many think that these societies have little or no bearing or influence on those of us living thousands of miles away. But the dedicated scholars, teachers, and volunteers who share this passion of preserving these cultures hold the view that these civilizations have a great role to play in humanity's development. Just as the blue poison frog's existence or demise ultimately touches our lives, so, in the eyes of some, the traditions of the Hopi Indian, the Danipolo people of Arunachal Pradesh, India, or the Mayans of Latin America, lay a hand on the world's social ecosystem. One organization that is heavily involved in this chore is the International Center for Cultural Studies. For years now, they've brought people from various indigenous cultures to share their values, spirituality, arts, and language. With us today are two representatives of ICCS, Yashwant Patak and Shekhar Patel. And uh, they are talking to us both from the East Coast. I want to uh, welcome you both, gentlemen. Thank you, Fred. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, first of all, why don't we give a brief overview? Uh, Yeshwant, could you tell us uh, a bit about uh, the uh, ICCS? Yeah, surely. Uh, International Center for Cultural Studies uh, is an organization dedicated to the uh, academic research of ancient traditions of the world. And we initially started our activities in India, back in India, in 1993-94. And it was a registered organization. And we started our first conference on Afro-Hindu cultural similarities. And subsequently, uh, we had conferences every year since then. So we have over 10 conferences organized in Nagpur itself, addressing various aspects related to the ancient traditions. But then ICCS was also involved in publication. So we published over 28 books on different aspects of the ancient traditions. And in due course of time, due to our hard work, we had conferences all over the world, uh, including we had an interactive conference with Australian aboriginals in Australia, Sydney. Then we had a three days conference on the preserving the indigenous cultures of the world, which was organized in collaboration with Waikato University at Hamilton, New Zealand, which was attended by people from 13 different countries. And it was a three-day conference. A very good uh, interaction happened there, and a book was also published over on this uh, conference. Then we had several conferences in African continent, especially in South Africa in 1995 at the University of Durban, Westville, then in um, Kenya at the University of Nairobi. And interestingly, in Kenya, it was a very good uh, conference where Professor Majibe came, and he was the head of the Department of Religious Studies, and he discussed all the African traditions, and there were a lot of similarities within the ancient traditions, and those similarities were brought up in the similar type of conferences we had in Trinidad, in the Caribbean countries, in Guyana, in Suriname, and in United States, we had over eight conferences, over nine conferences scheduled in coming August at Rochester, but all these conferences were addressing the various aspects of ancient traditions and how they are contributing positively and philosophically to the humanity at large. Most of these traditions work about total humanity. They always talk of total humanity and human being in totality. So this is where the, uh, this is how the ICC is bringing people together. They are sharing their um, uh, traditions, sharing their indigenous beliefs and trying to find out what are the similarities within all these traditions. Gentlemen, you're going to have to excuse me because I, I was neglectful in one thing. Normally, before I actually bring people on to start the conversation, I give a, a little biography, a little background uh, 
uh, on the person or, or people. And I neglected to do that with you. So, uh, Yeshwant, starting with you, could you tell me, uh, what is your position? Uh, and give us a little bit of background on you. How did And how did you come to ICCS? And then we'll speak to Shaker. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would have started with that, actually. Uh, I'm Yashwan Patak, and I'm originally from India. Uh, did my PhD in pharmaceutical sciences. But uh, in 1993, uh, I was visiting Kenya and came across a book uh, written by John MBT. And the book was on African traditions and religions. And it was a very, it's a very beautiful book. And I will recommend all the people to read it, actually, because it will give you a very clear idea about the greatness of African philosophy and the uh, depth of African philosophy and the traditions. And that's how um, we started uh, back home when I went to India. Then we started a small organization, ICCS. And I am member, life member of the ICCS, uh, which was started by a group of professors in Nagpur. And I am presently working as an international coordinator uh, for ICCS. And um, luckily, uh, I had an opportunity to travel more than 60 countries all over the world. And in all these 60 countries, wherever there were indigenous traditional people, I always make it a point to go and visit them, spend some time, stay in their villages, interact with them and try to have some interaction uh, with all of us. And that's how uh, I have, we have gone to Guatemala where we had an interaction with Mayan people. Then we took a tour and showed. So this is how I am working for ICCS as an international coordinator. Very good. And uh, Shekhar, can you uh, uh, yeah, talk about uh, yourself? Yeah, my name is uh, Shekhar Patel, and actually I'm again uh, from uh, India, and I came here to United States to do my PhD. And after I completed my PhD, I had an opportunity to attend one of ICCS conference in Atlantic City. Uh, it was on uh, Indo-Romua traditions. And uh, people had come from Europe uh, during that conference, and I got really interested in that. And as I, you know, started contributing, I wanted to contribute more to the organization. And I, as I started contributing, I am now uh, the secretary for the organization, and I coordinate most of the activities and uh, uh, any other issues that come up uh, from time to time. All right. Well, thank you. Some more questions on your work. Um, and I'm going to throw this out to either one of you or both of you can, can answer this. Um, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing the indigenous cultures today? Uh, uh, if there is a threat of, of uh, when I say extinction, I don't really mean extinction of the human beings themselves, but the extinction of the cultures, what, what are the issues? I, I think... Uh, uh the biggest threat that uh, indigenous, you know, that the indigenous cultures are obviously there. It's very simple that they're facing is that other cultures are entering into their culture. There is cultural interaction, uh, but what I think is even more important than that. That is a natural process, but the most important of it is the basic self-confidence among the people of the indigenous cultures. If that self-confidence is sustained, and if they have enough of it, they can sustain themselves and, you know, they somehow find ways uh, to preserve their heritage. But if that it has been eroded uh, because of invasions uh, of multiple types, so you, you can call it financial, you can call it physical or whatever, if that thing has been eroded in a culture, then that indigenous culture faces what you can say, an extension, extension kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Yashwant, do you have any other comments? Yeah. Actually, uh, most of the ancient traditions and cultures around the world, they have a, a very a simple way of life. And actually the economy uh, was not playing a significant role in all their uh, thinking. Now uh, it looks like everything is directly related to economy and then whatever they are doing for years together it becomes almost like invalid or impractical uh, on face and that becomes a dilemma in the minds of the people whether what I am doing is it a, uh, a correct thing I am doing or not and this dilemma can only be changed 
if they see more people coming together and doing this thing than living happily if that can happen and that's what we try to achieve in our conference that there are people from 41 different countries who came later by we will be discussing that and they perform their ceremony then they found that oh my god there are so many people around the world who are performing similar type of ceremonies and they are happy they are good and there is no economics involved in this and that is building up their confidence so i feel there is a need that these people should be built uh, their confidence should be built that whatever they are they have been doing for thousands of years is a very valid relevant thing which can be very useful to the humanity even today and if this type of feeling can be created in these people then all these indigenous traditions will definitely uh, bounce back and really contribute positively to the world they have so much to give to the world only thing is that as shekhar has mentioned that confidence we need to build and they will definitely be a great asset to the whole world i feel now some people might say that your your attitude uh is is paternalistic that is to say uh i'm imagining i'm speaking to both of you i, I believe that uh, one of you is in philadelphia and the other is in rochester correct yeah okay and i don't know about you but uh, where you are right now but i'm guessing it's probably pretty warm and uh, at some point one of you might be in an air conditioned environment uh and having all the comforts of the west and yet you're encouraging people not to not to take advantage of the same things that you take advantage of and uh, again economically uh you certainly are in positions where you can further your your financial success and you're telling other cultures that this is this is the wrong track for you have you ever gotten any any negative response for the kind of work you're doing uh, fred i would like to clarify that particular position uh, we are definitely not telling the indigenous people to go back and uh, live in the huts uh, whereas the whole world lives in air-conditioned uh, palaces. Uh, what our basis is, uh, we are trying to differentiate between materialistic success and spiritual success. If you look at a uh, modern world as it, is, uh, as it is defined, so-called modern world, uh, uh, invariably we uh, kind of relate most of the time the materialistic success with spiritual success if a society or a community if it is materially you know well well off that does not mean uh, they are well off spiritually and vice versa so for indigenous people what we are asking uh, or in fact what we want them to do is succeed even in the material world because they are pretty good in their spiritual world and if you think of happiness or the concept of happiness probably they are more happy uh then the people uh who live in palaces so what we are asking them is not uh, you know uh, probably it will re- require more of explaining but we are asking them to brush up their uh spirituality and be confident in that spirituality and probably give it to the people like us or to the world where we can share their concepts and solve most of our problems that we face in our life but we are at no point in time saying that you know go back to your hearts but that is not the culture that we are talking about we are talking about something else uh, how about in terms of education is it possible for somebody in an indigenous uh, community uh to to leave the community and achieve higher education get a college degree and then go back and live the same life that he or she lived prior to uh it is about uh, the value system uh, fred actually you can or anybody like i uh, i am from india I am right now speaking in English. My native language is Hindi, uh, but because I know Hindi, uh, that does not prevent me or stop me from learning English and be successful in this society. So, for the same thing about education system, we definitely want, or as an organization, we would like to see the ancient tradition traditions and the people who follow them. become conversant with the today's tradition and contribute to it it's not that go away from it you take up or learn the current concepts the science the knowledge the mathematics and then you research your own knowledge or probably there was there's a tradition in in, in africa wherein 
they have some drawings on their caves, which actually on the Discovery Channel they were saying that it is so accurate that it actually pinpoints the precise location of a star that is not visible to the eye. Only the Hubble Space Telescope found it out. But how come it is there on their cave walls, that particular uh, star or its location? So what we are saying is, to these cultures, whatever the culture they had, whatever knowledge they had from their ancients or whatever, to better understand their, that, they will obviously need the current tools and the current education. So they need to come into the mainstream. They need to absorb what the mainstream has to offer, take that mainstream, and then apply it back to their own self-ancient knowledge, and then probably enlighten the whole world with that also. Uh, yeah, Fred, I would like to add a little more. Yes, uh, go ahead. Actually, I came across uh, I mean, so many people, but I will quote three people. They are All three are from South Africa. They belong to three different traditions of South Africa. One is Dr. Muchega, who did his DSC, and who is uh, working for the African traditions revival significantly. He was the ex-premier Houteng uh, state. Uh, other is Dr. Pitika Entuli, uh, who, if you visit his home, I have visited his home several times. Uh, it's a beautiful, I mean, he has such a beautiful collection of all the artifacts, and if you go there, then you'll feel what is an African home can be. And third is Dr. Phyllis Jen Zungu. Uh, she is the head of the department in religious studies. All these three people, I have seen them in the uh, highly education, I mean, uh, highly educated in an environment where there was a very good, powerful discussion going on, as well as I have seen them in the traditional costumes, traditional way of life in their villages. And at both the places, they were equally uh, playing a very good role, means a, very, a good model there. So uh, higher education, I don't think, uh, will affect much. Big, but they, they can very well perform in both the areas. Even that will help them, actually. Uh, am I making... Yes, you're making sense. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what you were asking. Yeah. So the, there are so many people like that I have met personally who are highly educated, but as soon as they go in their villages, they'll be wearing their costume, they'll be part of that uh, landscape, that you will be, for a third person to identify that he is Dr. Mochega, who is a DSC in law and doing a lot of activities as the ex-prime minister of the uh, Houteng state, and nobody will believe that, you know. <laughs> If so you're that just, way, I suppose the education definitely helps all of them. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Common Threads here on WGVU. I'm Fred Stella, and today we're speaking with Yashwant Patak and Shekhar Patel. They're from the International Center for Cultural Studies, and we're talking about cultural studies. Let me ask uh, either one of you this, then. Is there a particular country where you see that the indigenous people, their culture and their religion, gains more respect among the more urbanized uh, uh, inhabitants uh, as opposed to others. So, for instance, in, in India, when, when someone from, um, let's say, one of the communities in Nagaland or, or Arunachal Pradesh uh, uh, goes to New Delhi, uh, how are how might they be treated uh, as opposed to someone from uh, a Kenyan community who goes to Nairobi? Uh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. See what I'm asking? I can answer that actually. Uh, if you uh, the once upon a time Indian Parliament, the highest authority in India, had a speaker who was belonging to the Northeast, uh, Mr. P. S. Sangma. He was a uh, person from Arunachal Pradesh, where you mentioned the Doni Polo, mm -hmm. uh, he was from that area, and he was the Speaker of the Parliament. So obviously, uh, he was very well respected. And uh, in India, it is very common that the there are many people who are from uh, uh, indigenous tribal people. They are at forefront in the uh, political scenario as well as social scenario. But I would like to quote another country, and which is very important, and which is a really I feel, in my studies, I feel this tradition is a model for most of the indigenous traditions around the world, and that is New Zealand. In New Zealand, the Maori people uh, who own that country, uh, fortunately now all the lands, all the hills, everything has been handed over back to Maori people. And now the rivers, lands, hills, everything is owned by the Maoris, first thing. Secondly, all the indigenous knowledge which was there, if you want to use any medicinal plants which are 
coming from the maori tradition then obviously the maori people need to get royalty for that and they have really uh, done that and they have the waikato university which i had mentioned earlier is the university exclusively for maori people and you do your phd in uh, any life sciences or any aspects of uh, any faculty in maori language they are teaching maori language at a graduate level at a um, there are researchers people are doing and maoris are uh, one of the uh, i feel very model uh, indigenous community which can be replicated all over the world and people should learn from maoris and that is what uh, is a, i feel uh, a very good thing happened there in uh, new zealand similar things are happening in uh, many countries but still you know the uh, most of the african countries do have such type of uh, uh, respect for the elders in the uh, mainstream community but because of the uh, historical reasons these people still are struggling uh, as compared to what success maoris got i i'm assuming that uh, both of you have had a great deal of contact with uh american uh indians native americans yeah uh and my guess is and tell me if i'm right that up until a few years ago uh, they had uh, little status in in the united states and in recent decades their their presence is being better known and people are respecting their traditions and their spirituality more than they did is that would that would that be correct yeah i fully agree with you and recently i was in one of the native american areas uh, in um, sedona which is a uh, which is a very powerful spiritual place from native american point of view and there we met one elder of the hopi people father martin and he was very learned person very respected in that area and all the hopi people around and even in the mainstream people they respect him similar experiences i had in the onendaga nation which is uh, uh, 100 miles away from rochester uh, south of syracuse and there i met wins johnson uh, then um, ted hill these are the elders of the uh, onendaga nation and they are interacting with the uh, state government in washington they are having lot of interactions and they are traveling around the world and uh, the third elder which also is uh, associated with us his name is lehandro oxeles perilez he is the chief of the council of elders of the sacred maya he is from guatemala he recently came to india also and just last month on only he was in russia and he was invited uh, for the russian indigenous group was inviting him to understand the mayan culture so i feel all over the world uh, there is definitely um, the respect for all these elders the learned people their knowledge their wisdom is definitely growing and by another 10 years probably every big gathering will definitely have an elder from indigenous people who will share their knowledge uh, uh, Shaker we're uh, and and Yashwant we're running out of time for now but before we close uh, this edition of Common Threads could you give us some contact information if people would like to learn more about uh, ICCS uh, yeah uh, our website is www.iccsus.org so most of the details you can find on the website that would be the fastest way to get any information that you would need And and you do have events coming up later on this year and and next year if people uh yes. want want to find information on that. Yeah, and uh there is a button that's called that says upcoming events and if they go in that section they will find all the information. Very good. Well, Yashwant and Shaker, uh we are out of time now for this edition of Common Threads, but I would like to invite you back next week. We have so much more to talk about, all right? Yeah. Thank you very Thank much. You very much. Fred. We appreciate it. My guests today have been Yashwant Patak and Shekhar Patel. 
They're both involved with uh, the International Center for Cultural Studies, and we'll talk more with them next week. My name is Fred Stella, president of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. Please join us again next week right here on WGVU for Common Threads. Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. Send questions and comments by email through our website, www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org. Thank you for listening and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads. This is Common Threads, an interfaith dialogue. I'm Fred Stella, president of the Interfaith Dialogue Association. Welcome to another edition of Common Threads. Last week we began our conversation with Yashwan Patak and Shekhar Patel. Both of them are very active with the International Center for Cultural Studies. It's an organization that encourages the study and the development of indigenous cultures and religions around the world. Fascinating conversation, and I've been anticipating all week speaking to them again as we conclude our conversation right here on WGVU. Yashwant and Shekhar, welcome back to Common Threads. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Fred. Certainly. Uh, last week we spoke uh, about uh, uh, the indigenous cultures. Now, And I want to clarify one thing. Am I correct in saying that the word tribe or tribes is something that you, you tend to stay away from and that people in these cultures and societies... Uh, uh, don't like that word. Is that correct? Yeah. I feel uh, the tribe word, uh, People, most of the people whom I have discussed with felt uh, that it has a derogatory meaning. And it doesn't really re- uh, represent the correct uh, version. And that's why people uh, prefer to call them as indigenous traditions or ancient traditions of the world. Oh. And that's why they don't prefer to call them as tribal uh, help me out here. What What is wrong with the word tribe? Uh, uh, actually, uh, the reason why I find it uh, not so, such a great word is basically, uh, initially the word tribe was used to talk of social groups that existed before the development of uh, states or, or countries or things like that. So when you talk of tribe, that kind of puts them outside an organized state or a country or a formal relationship and, uh, and the concept of nation but the concept of nation was always there uh, through ages uh, and even among the Indian nations uh, who are the native Indians uh, they have a, a feeling of nationhood and uh, when the moment you say tribes that means uh, they are outside of the preview or uh, they are kind of, you know, unorganized societies. Okay, well, that that's a wonderful explanation. I know that one of the most pressing issues for uh, people who are in your line of work is uh, the preservation of religion and the the tension that is created by outside missionaries. Can can we talk a little bit about that now? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I would ask, uh, I would request uh, Dr. Patak to talk about it. Uh, actually, uh, if uh, you see the world and the history and philosophy of the world, it is very interesting, uh, and that is my observation, probably people will agree with me, 
that 2000 years back if uh, there were traditions around the world there were 1000 different african traditions were there there were more than 500 nations in native american uh, native american nations were there there were maori there were some 27 different australian aboriginal tribe uh, groups were there and all these people were very close to nature there were lot of similarities within all these people and they were thinking that their philosophy or their um, in that uh, scenario there was no concept of religion there but it was more of a way of life and this way of life was transferred from one generation to other generation through the oral tradition through practicing the tradition so it was more on a realization uh, status it was more on practicing the way of life rather than uh, a one day affair but suddenly the world was divided into two parts believers and non believers you believe in my way of life or you are a non believer and unfortunately the result of this philosophy created havoc all over the world you know there are so many atrocities happened in australia on the australian aboriginals uh, so many inhuman things happened actually same thing happened in africa same thing happened in native america um, to the native american same thing happened in india southeast asia in europe also so most of these uh, traditions have suffered significantly at the hands of the invaders they say that in lithuania the roman traditions were the last one to get proselytized and for 400 years they gave a very glorious um, fight a very glorious history they have about the struggle which they had to protect their traditions from the invaders but finally they were surrendered it is probably very few places in the world you will find that these traditions survived and survived and not only survived but flourished uh, india is one of them uh, in spite of the invasions uh, continuous invasions so the invaders which came they came with a philosophy that you follow my path and all other paths are not taking to god and that's why they try to destroy so they called all these uh, traditions as animistic hedonic or they use so many different pagan uh, so many different derogatory words were used but it looks like in this century especially uh, the things that are happening different now we have our very good friend yonas trinkunas Uh, who has become the chief priest of lithuania and he is the priest uh, and lithuania after the independence from russian uh, part uh, they have uh, now officially recognized romuan traditions as an independent religion still uh, though it is a way of life so it is officially recognized similar things are being as I means people are struggling to get such recognition for the asatrus and the druids uh, these are the traditions in europe which were uh, flourishing 400 500 years back so obviously uh, similar as i mentioned about new zealand the maori traditions are flourishing now so it looks like the things are changing but really most of the world had suffered a lot because of this particular philosophy and we need to understand that diversity is the soul of humanity there will be diversity in this world god never creates a single plant will have flowers not there will never be only one flower there will be hundreds of flowers and then each of the flower will have different shapes and that is diversity nature itself is diverse obviously being diverse is a natural phenomenon which everybody will have to respect and then respect each of us and at least our right to reach to god by whichever way we feel appropriate for us once that is recognized probably half of the problems of the world will be solved now i've spoken to missionaries before and what they would say is they would agree with you 100% uh of the first part of of your response that is to say absolutely our forebears came or went off to different lands and many atrocities were committed uh in the name of the christian religion 
uh, and people people were uh, 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 tortured, people were were forced to convert, etc. But that was then, and this is now. We no longer use those efforts to spread the gospel. Uh, uh, and we've done wonderful things for the various countries. We build schools, we build hospitals, we send people to volunteer to live a very, very hard life in very rugged terrain simply to share material goods and to share our religion, which, of course, uh, you know, they would believe is, is the ultimate religion, actually the only true religion. So how do you respond to the missionary now? It, it, let's not talk about 400 years ago, but let's talk yeah. about what's going on now. Uh, yeah, Fred, uh, the, the thing that I would uh, say to that is, first, of course, uh, any religion right now on the surface of this earth has definitely contributed to humanity. If they had not contributed to humanity, uh, they would have uh, you know, kind of become extinct. So every religion has a contribution to make, and they have made the contribution. Uh, when we talk about whether it is Islam or Christianity or any other religion which divides its uh, people as believers and non-believers, uh, they definitely contribute positively. Uh, but the question is, what kind of, what form, like physical form, maybe the physical uh, violence was once upon a time called violence, not even called violence, maybe it, it would have been called something else. Now we call it violence. But there can be, the violence can be in different forms, not necessarily physical. And there may be different tactics used. If, you know, if a person on his own thinks that, okay, I've seen God through this religion and I want to follow that, there's no problem with that. Even if an indigenous person, he thinks that, I see God through Christianity, and I want to follow him through my own realization, that is always good, because that person is saying from his own heart which path he wants to take. The problem is, any path a person chooses, if that path is influenced in a negative way, in not an appropriate way, then that becomes something that is not desirable. So what we are saying is, uh, give the indigenous people some space to breathe. They are already suffocating, they are dying. There are very few people left who still hold the traditions. If those traditions can be protected through United Nations or through any agencies that works with them, give them some breathing time, allow them to recognize things that are, that are happening around them, and once they have that recognition, once they even value their tradition, once they have full knowledge of tradition, and then they say, okay, this tradition, my own tradition, I have learned about it, and now it is waste. I don't want it. I want to throw it in, you know, wherever you want to. Then that's fine, because there are many traditions. When we say indigenous, that does not mean that all indigenous tradition, 100% of them are great and we should always follow them. There may be some which may not suit with, you know, to today's modern uh, days. Like even among Hindus, there may be some practices that are absolutely not desirable that need to be eliminated, uh, which were because of some historical uh, facts or certain things. So all that that does not contribute to today's world's well-being they need to be kind of discouraged or they will die on their own. But what we are saying is, if missionaries say what they say, that's fine. We, we have no objection with them. But give some breathing space to indigenous people, educate them about their own culture. Once they understand their culture, educate them about others' culture, and give them the choice to choose. That is democracy, that is freedom. Fred, can I make a comment? Sure. Yeah, Fred, I would just, uh, in continuation with what Shekhar said, I will give you a very practical example. Uh, as I mentioned, I regularly go to Onendaga Nation, and this nation, uh, there are small villages. One of the villages is known as Nedro, and this village, you will not believe, there are maximum 600 people. But for 600 people, there are six different dominations of Christianity. And when I was talking to the indigenous leader, uh, who is the elder of the Onendaga nation, he was saying that, Yash, we are having problem in our society. These six churches preach six different ways. 
even though all of them claim themselves to be Christian, they are creating problems and a confusion within our community. All our youths are so much confused that if they go to one church and go to next church, uh, they find uh, stark differences in their uh, philosophy, in their way of thinking. And uh, not only that, uh, if you remember, there was a very famous statement by the Pope John Paul when he was in Argentina. He made a statement at that time, many of the uh, Catholics were converted to Protestant. And uh, this uh, Pope John Paul, when he went there, he made a statement that the rapacious wolves are taking away my flock. At In this 21st century, this type of statement done by Christian leadership definitely creates confusion in the minds of the indigenous people. And most of the indigenous people all around the world definitely are facing this dilemma because of this uh, problem associated with this philosophy. You know, it's interesting. First of all, let me mention, I'll remind people that you're listening to WGVU. I'm Fred Stella, and this is Common Threads. Today, we're talking with two representatives from the International Center for Cultural Studies, Yashwant Patak and Shekhar Patel. What I was going to mention, gentlemen, is that just a couple of months ago, I was in New Mexico and visited an a, a, a Indian nation in Taos, um, and it, this was a, a pueblo. This was a, a thriving community. And the community, first of all, was divided two ways. And by division, I, I don't mean to imply that in a negative way. Simply that people could choose to live in a more modern uh, part of the community or they could live as their traditional ancestors lived without electricity, without running water. There was, a, there was a river that flowed right through the community, so you could, you could use that quite easily. Uh, and we had a tour of the area. And a couple of things. First of all, there was a, a Catholic church that we went in, and I'm sure that many people, many Christians, if they walked into this church, they would consider it to be, I'll use the word, pagan. There, there were just a lot of different elements in this church you would not see in other churches. And the tour guide said that there were three forms of spirituality that were practiced. You could either practice, uh, practice the native spirituality 100%, you could practice Christianity, or you could practice a melding of the two. Uh, and I'm wondering if you have, either of you, have experience with with uh, cultures that have taken Christianity but sort of uh, informed it with their own traditions and, and how well that works or, or does it work well? Uh, actually, uh, I, I can say that uh, in context of India, uh, because there are some Hindus uh, you know who who are Christians, and I'm talking about this Christianity. There, there was in India about two two thousand years ago, and they say that the first, uh, you know, the very first Christians uh, are from the southern part of India, who were there for quite quite a few centuries. Now these Indians over these two thousand years have obviously, you know, they have taken in some Hinduism and their concepts of Hinduism that suited them, and now these. Christians, they are coming in contact with what I can say, a neo-Christian or, or somebody who has recently converted because of some efforts from, uh, you know, United States uh, by some groups. And among those Christians, again, that you will see the differences and of opinions and of, uh, you know, m- m- many things. And from my point of view, it is fine. Uh, among Christians, or even for a Catholic or a Protestant, uh, to really feel what they want to feel through whatever tools you want to use. Uh, so whether you go into a church which looks a little bit awkward, or you go into a temple that looks devilish to a, a person from a different faith, uh, it is just that there, you respect a person's right to use any tool he wants to take to a path to God, and that's you know absolutely acceptable from my point of view, and uh, that is what I would like to you know say even to you know our work is also among uh, some Christians, and even to Christians it is that you can choose your own path uh, if whatever tools 
you know, help you to go in that direction as fast as you want to. Um, one of the reasons that we're talking today actually goes back to February when I discovered that there was uh, a conference that your organization put on in Jaipur. I believe the title was uh, from, from Religion to Spirituality, is that correct? Uh, the, the title was uh, Spirituality Beyond Religion. Oh, and, well, I'm uh, sorry, one more time. You, 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 you crackled a little bit. Go ahead, the title. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, ti- the whole theme of the conference was Spirituality Beyond Religion. Beyond Religion, and, uh-huh. Yeah, and I would like uh, uh, Dr. Patak to comment on it. Yeah, actually the conference for the second conference in the line, uh, which is organized by a forum uh, known as World Council of Elders of the Ancient Traditions and Cultures. This forum was uh, formed under the ICCS and has a membership over 1,000 elders and people from more than 60 different countries. And they represent almost close to 100 different indigenous traditions of the world. And we had our first conference in Mumbai where the uh, theme of the conference was Mitakwe Oyasin, which is a Native American saying, which means we are all related. And obviously, all these ancient traditions of the world or indigenous traditions of the world think that they are the children of the Mother Earth. So children of the Mother Earth are related because our mother is common. And that was the appeal for the Mumbai conference. And then the second conference which we had, the Mumbai conference was attended by people from 31 different countries. And the second conference was in Jaipur, which was after three years. And it was attended by people, more than 257 registered delegates from 41 different countries. And this conference was a... Uh, very successful in building up the confidence within the attendees of the uh, conference. Means most of the people were so proud to be in Jaipur because uh, there were some very uh, interesting programs which were organized within the conference. It was a seven-day conference and we used to initiate our conference uh, every day starting of the conference was with the ceremonies. And people have performed different kinds of ceremonies. People will be surprised to hear that there were six different traditions from different continents. They performed their fire ceremonies. And the fire ceremony, worshipping the fire, uh, and they were having their mantras or they chanted some verses which were very religious. And interestingly, we requested the people to translate those verses in what they chanted and surprisingly, all the verses were addressed to the God, and every verse had a meaning which was applicable to the total humanity. It was never a sectarian or a compartmentalized thought in the, and that was very much appreciated by all the tradition. They said that wow, we all think alike. We are pretty much similar in thinking process. That we all work for the human total humanity. There were several ceremonies related with the five basic elements of the uh, which are considered water is there fire is there air is there you know and sky is there so and then uh, another commonality which we found that there were other ceremonies which were performed they used to like there was a pagan ceremony which was performed by the asatrus and they brought their gods and goddesses their statues were there and in all these traditions there was the equality for gender Interestingly, most of the ancient traditions had no problems accepting a goddess. They had no problem in accepting a form of God as a female. And that was experienced by all the people and they were very happy that this is... And similar, there were many other programs. There were presentations of the papers. People have presented their research papers, uh, around 120 papers. We have published two volumes of the proceedings of this conference where all the papers have been... Um, um, printed and then there was a another aspect which we had was that a very interesting program we did in Jaipur and it was very successful that each of the delegate had gone to different schools in Jaipur and in one day in four hours time all these elders addressed over 100 schools leading to almost like 30,000 students were 
uh, addressed and each of these elder talked about his own tradition so the students in jaipur city had a very good exposure that it is not only there are few names which are existing like christianity or islam or hinduism or buddhism but there are hundred different traditions which are existing around the world and they are all gradually flourish flourishing in their country they all talked about their own country that were the traditions and it was a excellent experience for the people in jaipur to witness uh, that conference very quickly we only have a couple of minutes left but i wanted to ask you 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 mentioned the various gods and goddesses uh the word polytheist or polytheism yeah i know uh, uh is that still a, a generally acceptable word to use to describe many of the indigenous religions including hinduism yeah uh, actually uh, yeah uh, but there are some about that uh, and actually we discussed that issue at the conference too there are some religions in who say that that is the most appropriate that they would want uh, people to use for them but there are some traditions and uh, actually in hinduism uh, there are two uh, again there are two uh, parts to it some say that we do have these so many gods and goddesses but actually in reality we really worship one god and these are only a way or a are uh, methods uh, these are all just manifestation of the same god it's just the how a person according to his personality chooses one god uh to reach to the one uh, god and then obviously in some hindus who would always say that okay there are different goddesses and gods so there is a wide variety of opinion on this and again what we would say is it is your freedom to believe what you have to as long as you are thinking that you want to reach god so uh, it's uh, you know it's their freedom to Oh, well, listen, gentlemen, we're out of time once again, and I want to thank you both for uh, being with us here on Common Threads. Thank uh, you very much. Uh, Thanks, Fred. Certainly. I, I it want was, yeah, it was really uh, nice to have uh, International Center for Cultural Studies be invited for your uh, talk show. It was our pleasure, and that uh, contact information, by the way, you gave it to us last week, www.iccsus.org, correct? Yeah, that's right. Very good. My guests today have been Yashwant Patak and Shekhar Patel. They are both with the International Center for Cultural Studies. Uh, I'm Fred Stella, and you're listening to WGVU. And please join us again next week for Common Threads. Common Threads is a production of WGVU in cooperation with the Interfaith Dialogue Association. The views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the station, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University. In many cases, the participants on this program represent themselves and may not be designated spokespeople for the faiths they represent. Send questions and comments by email through our website, www.interfaithdialogueassociation.org. Thank you for listening and join us again next week for another edition of Common Threads.